You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 546 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live here on this fine Sunday evening. I am not in my normal location, as you probably can hear a little bit differently in the background. I am still at State Farm Arena, but sort of tucked away in an undisclosed location uh, inside the building here as uh, there was a post-game event in the actual bowl, so please forgive the sound weirdness if there is any, but there's lots to discuss on the podcast today. Um, first and foremost, the Hawks get a 128-116 to victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. That was a fun game in some respects after sort of a sluggish start. It heated up a little bit and a lot of entertaining plays along the way, so we'll talk about that plenty here in a moment. I do want to lead off with a few injury update notes before we get to the actual game itself. Dwayne Debman uh, re- returned in this game with a 20-minute minutes limit um, after having a right knee contusion that cost him two games. He was questionable, actually, early in the day on Sunday, then upgraded to probable, and from there he was able to play. Did not start. Uh, Alex Lang got the start here because of Debman's restriction, but they actually played him alongside Lane a couple different times at the power forward spot, which is interesting to uh, note in this game, but no ill effects that I could see. Um, good to see him come back on the court. That's sort of the easiest one to update along the way here. Uh, Miles Plumley is also nearing a return, it appears. Lloyd Pierce said before the game today that um, Plumley is, quote, progressing very well, end quote, and then he actually looks pretty good. Um, they're targeting a date this week for return, uh, barring an unforeseen setback. Nothing specific there. The Hawks do play again on Wednesday. I'm not sure if that means for Wednesday, but uh, this week is the way that um, that Pierce was uh, describing that. So Plumlee's been out for quite a long time, actually. The Hawks announced on January 7th he was out as a result of a non-surgical procedure. He has not played in the game since December 31st. So, you know, three months or so, I guess two and a half, three months. It's been a long time for Miles Plumlee, so we'll see how he looks and how much he plays because obviously he's the fifth big uh, and probably someone who isn't going to play on a nightly basis, but it does provide some insurance um, for the future when and if he is able to return. Um, the other thing that I wanted to hit on quick, quick, quickly here was uh, I actually asked Lloyd Pierce about B.J. Johnson, the uh, 10-day guard. It's actually the last game under that first 10-day contract for Johnson. By the time you listen to this on Monday, it's possible the Hawks have given him a second 10-day contract, but I'm not sure about that. But I wanted to ask um, Pierce on the heels of that decision, which is coming uh, very, very soon here, what he thought about Johnson. So here's what he had to say about B.J. Johnson. This is the last day of B.J. Johnson's 10-day contract. What have you seen from him? Do you, is that somebody that you're interested in keeping around? That's no, not your decision necessarily, but what have you seen from him so far since you had him? You know, I, I talked to Anthony Parker, who's the GM and good friend of mine, GM of, of the Lakeland team that BJ plays on prior to us, or right when we got him, just to get some background information on him. And, you know, he was excited and he talked about his growth from trying out to make the G League to getting the 10 day seven months later is remarkable and he really thinks BJ has a chance and then we were able to see it in his first game in Chicago he goes four for four um, and then he makes an impact in the Miami game and so obviously he didn't play much since and um, it probably will be that way just having everybody healthy Uh, but you're excited you're intrigued by a guy that's grown that much in seven months fact that he can shoot, he's got size, he needs to get physically stronger and a little bit bigger. Um, but that's kind of what it, the 10 days are for. You, you get opportunities to evaluate guys and, and 
you know, maybe there's a keeper. We'll still keep looking. You know, obviously play two good games and then not a lot of minutes. So you evaluate him in different ways as well. What's his work ethic like? And how's his communication in the locker room with the other guys? And uh, all of those different things. So that's that's the plan. Um, you know, we have to make a decision on the second one, and then we'll have to make a decision, you know, even moving forward and in the summer and those type of things. Uh, but um, that's kind of where we are right now. This is the last game, and then we'll see about tomorrow what's going on. So not a huge surprise there that Pierce wasn't super committal, but it's definitely a cool story. You hear him reference there the seventh-month journey for Johnson from someone who tried out for a G League team. Yes, tried out for a G League team, and then ended up in the NBA seven months later. A pretty crazy ride there. I'm, if it's me, I probably wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't have a problem at all if the Hawks were to give him a second ten-day contract. There are there's there are advantages I should say to going out and exploring the rest of the market if you're the Hawks. At the same time, I kind of like I kind of like Johnson. I think he probably has some potential. So. Wouldn't surprise me either way. I think if I were to bet, I would guess the Hawks give him one, but that's just an uninformed guess. No background there, and you, you guys have just heard what Pierce had to say. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's a Travis Slight decision. He's the GM, and Pierce is not. But there you go for some food for thought for the BJ Johnson experience. So, um, okay, let's, it's enough on the pre, pre-game stuff. I want to talk about the game a little bit here. In the end, the Hawks and the Pelicans were basically coin flip to win this game in Las Vegas. For a while during the day on Sunday, the Hawks were favored. Uh, for a while, the Hawks were not favored, so kind of a back-and-forth situation there on a lot of fronts. But uh, the end result, of course, was a favorite one for the Hawks. We'll start at the beginning here. Sort of an ugly start for Atlanta, a 15-6 run for the Pelicans, opening things up by making their first three threes. The Hawks opened pretty cold. From that point forward, though, it was pretty much all Hawks, honestly, after that, after that slow start, and we'll, and we'll obviously catch up on that a little bit. Uh, the first sub of the day was Devin coming in for Collins at the four. I referenced that a little bit earlier, but... Len and Devin playing together was uh, interesting to see. Uh, part of that, I'm sure, was matchup-driven uh, and the fact that the Pelicans were playing big with uh, Anthony Davis and Julius Randle playing together. But Devin being on minutes limit was kind of a weird situation there, but it worked out pretty well for the most part. And uh, Pierce joked after the game that uh, Len and Devin were, cam- were campaigning to play together because they- they're now 2-0 and when they've started together this year in emergency, emergency situations. So it's kind of a funny thing that Pierce was laughing about after the game, uh, after this win here. Um, the Hawks did come alive, though, offensively with 16 points in about three and a half minutes. Kent Bazemore sparked things in the first quarter with a three and a pair of assists in a hurry. Atlanta's defense, though, really struggled in the first quarter, allowing 7-9 from three to the, Pel- to the-, to the Pelicans. Um, good to see them offensively play-, play a little bit better after the start, after the slow start, but for the most part, the defense was really kind of adventure in the first 12 minutes of this game. It was a filthy move off the dribble by DeAndre Bember, who had two of those in this game. He's uh, definitely someone who you want to see with the ball in their hands sometimes. So when it, when it goes well, it goes very well for DeAndre. Famously, earlier in the year, Lloyd Pierce said that he was the one guy on the team that, that, that does not need to screen to get to the rim, and uh, he's right about that. Bembry is explosive off the dribble at times. He showed that off a couple times in this game. Uh, second quarter, though, was a, little, was a little bit more kind to Atlanta, although there was an uh, interesting back and forth early on. There were actually a pair of four-point plays on both ends, um, back-to-back, which you don't really see four-point plays all that often, and you don't see two two in a row really ever. That's something that I can't remember ever seeing, honestly. I'm sure it's happened at some point, but I'm not, I don't remember it. Um, regardless, though, that kind of allowed the Hawks to kick back and forth a little bit there. The deficit actually got got up to 12 for Atlanta at one point. That was uh, the low point of the game. It was 46-34 to 34 Pelicans, and from that point forward, um, it was a 12-0 run from Atlanta to tie the game. In fact, it was an 18-2 overall run after the 12-0. So that kind of tells you where the game flipped. That was the biggest moment of the game. In terms of just the momentum shifting from New Orleans to Atlanta. A pair of threes from Kevin Herter and John Collins in the second quarter. And a three-point play from Herter, who was awesome in the second quarter. In fact, it was pretty crazy to see him do what he did in the second quarter of this game. Kevin Herter had 17 points in the second quarter. That was his career high for a quarter. He was 7-8 of eight shooting in that period and 2-3 of three from three. 
Uh, he, he struggled pretty badly the last two games, efficiency-wise, just the way that he was able to play. So good to see Kevin coming alive in a big way there with an explosion. And for, for the game, he had a couple of nice but it was really, it was really the second floor that sort of um, peaked things for Kevin Herter. Um, and as a team, the Hawks shot 56% from the floor in the second quarter and 5 of 11 from three. In fact, um, for the rest of the first half, there was that early stretch where I talked about how bad the Hawks were. They had six points in the first five and a half minutes or so of the entire contest. And after that, Atlanta shot 56% from the floor, 57% from three, and had only five turnovers in about a 19-minute period. Had 59 points in 19 minutes, and uh, that's obviously a very, very good sign um, for all things considered. After halftime, things, things considered to uh, cook for the Hawks and for Herder. In fact, he had five points in the first three and a half minutes or so of the third quarter. And uh, the, the biggest run after the second quarter run was a 12-0 from the Hawks that included threes from Kent Bazemore and Jalen Adams in the third quarter. That was uh, a lot of fun to see. Honestly, there was a lot of couple, couple of really good moments, uh, honestly, along the way. There was a, a lull after that from Atlanta, but at the same time, they sort of led comfortably for most of the second half after that 12-0 run came to fruition in the third quarter. In the fourth, uh, the Pelicans actually had their best run of the entire rest of the game with a 7-0 near the beginning of the quarter when the Hawks didn't score for about three minutes or so, but then on cue, the Hawks had a 7-0 response followed by uh, that sort of included a ridiculous dunk from John Collins. Probably the play of the night, honestly, um, was Collins catching a lot from Kevin Herter. I'm not really sure how he caught it or how he finished it. In fact, Herter kind of laughed about that. He, he said he threw the ball sort of anywhere near the backboard and Collins went up, went up and got it. A fun moment in the locker room after the game. But that was a thunderous performance there from Collins. And then a three from Alex Lynn to sort of cap that to put the Hawks up, up by 11 again. Um, from there, it was uh, pretty comfortable the rest of the way. Um, Trey Young had his first field goal of the night, put the Hawks up by 10 moments later, and back-to-back buckets. And uh, I guess Lloyd Pierce did call a timeout up, up, only, up only about six points with eight minutes to go. But from there, it was uh, comfortable, smooth sailing. It was a nice left-handed hook pass from Trey Young to, to Dwayne Devin for a three goal by 11. And then they got, they got it to 12 briefly with about five minutes to go. Um, you know, I guess the dagger, if you wanted to find one, was Kevin Herter hitting a three with 3.13 to go for his 27th point in the night to go up by 10. And then a couple of nice blocks from John Collins on the stretch, actually. Um, that's something that he's not been doing a ton of this year. But a nice to uh, see nice some, some defensive pop plays from, from John in the closing moments and a pretty comfortable win there on the way to the 12-point final margin. So... Um, Team-wise, the offense was great in this game. A 121.8 offensive rating. That's excellent, especially when you factor in the fact that Trey Young did not shoot the ball well at all in this contest. So this is sort of a, an effort um, that was more of a team thing. Obviously, Herter, Herter and Collins combined for 50 points, and that is definitely worth noting. At the same time, the offense, as a, as a general rule, was pretty darn good here. 49% from the floor, 46% from three, 30 assists. That's what you want to see. And only nine, sorry, only 10 turnovers, which is excellent for the Hawks. Second straight game when the Hawks took care of the ball in a nice way after the, they've had all kinds of problems this year taking care of the basketball. That did not happen in this game, though, which is nice. And that allowed them to shoot the ball well and generally put up a, one of the better, better offensive nights of the uh, recent past. So that obviously goes in the win column defensively. It was an adventure at times. They didn't create any turnovers, only eight turnovers for the Pelicans, but they didn't shoot it all that well after the first quarter. Um, in fact, they cooled off pretty considerably. And while some of that is certainly Atlanta's defense, it was a part of that was definitely New Orleans kind of cooling off just as a regression as they were scalding hot in the opening moments of this game. And um, there you go. 
on that. Um, by the way, for a peek behind the scenes here, you might have noticed I just changed locations because it was getting very loud where I was, but now I'm back sort of in the, in, the, in the friendly confines of my normal seating arrangement. So my apologies on the weirdness there, but I want to get, get the podcast out as fast as possible and we try to do things um, in order to do that. So hopefully that will make some sense to you as you listen to this podcast. But it's time for a break here. Quickly, quickly, I will come back momentarily with some individual thoughts on this game. I do want to take a moment to remind everyone to subscribe to this podcast. It would be huge if you did that for us. Lots on Hawks podcast, either, either on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, where you'd like to listen to podcasts. We should be there. Overcast, all those, all those spots that you can find audio programming, we should be there. And please do me a favor and click the subscribe button today. That'd be huge for the show. Okay, we'll come back in just one second with more on the, on the individual players in this game. All right, we're back talking about the individual players in this contest on Sunday, and the bench was interesting. Um, it was actually really successful as a whole. In fact, Dwayne Dedman was plus 26 in 20 minutes, which is something you don't they don't see every day. Eight points, six rebounds, two steals, and an assist for Dedman. He wasn't used in a huge way offensively, but did take seven shots, made three of them, two or three from three as well. Looked, looked pretty comfortable to me. Um, obviously, probably isn't 100% healthy on the heels of the knee contusion that he had, but looked pretty good here. I thought played well. Had a funny moment as well when he was sort of playing keep away with Anthony Davis after that weird call on the floor and that Dedman's always a hilarious guy so I always appreciated that I was trying to figure out what he was saying where I was sitting but it was an amusing moment but Dedman definitely played pretty well here in his return Elsewhere, Jalen Adams was actually plus 19 in 17 minutes on his own right. Three points, three assists, four rebounds for Adams. One of four from the floor, one of three from three. I mentioned to Kevin Shinar, a good friend of the program and the host of the ATL and 29 podcast, um, during the game, um, that Adams actually did not attempt a shot in the first half in 11 minutes. Something that he's going to have to be able to do is just get shots off. That's his biggest thing for me um, uh, in terms of his uh, appeal as an offensive player. Adams is a great shooter, uh, legitimately. He's a really, really good shooter. That's something he's going to have to maximize in order to, to sort of pave the way to an NBA career for himself. So want to, want to see him get shots off. That's a big thing for him moving forward. And he was able to do that a little bit in the second half. Even if they weren't going, uh, if they weren't all going in, he was at least a threat. I thought he played pretty well actually after halftime. Kent Bazemore has nice moments in the first half, as I referenced earlier. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. One of his better games recently. 5 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3, and a plus 15 off the bench. It was not a coincidence. He was part of the engine in that second quarter. It sort of got things going a little bit, other than, other than obviously Herter was the explosive guy in the first half. But Bazemore had some nice moments there, and I thought played pretty darn well. Vince Carter was sort of a sleepy game for him. In fact, he was minimized a little bit by the fact that they were able to use Debbin at the power forward spot. Carter played 16 minutes, only took one shot, 1.3 assists, two rebounds. I thought he was okay, just didn't do a ton to get a shot, his own shot off. They were closing out closing out hard on him because they should. Honestly, he's a great shooter, so they should close out on him hard. Uh, he was okay. I just didn't think it was a great game for Vince necessarily. And uh, last but not least here, down to memory, 13 minutes, which was kind of surprising, honestly. I think part of that is just Herder was great, and Bazemore had it going as well. But um, Bembry had 11 points and 5 rebounds in 13 minutes. I thought he played pretty well, honestly. Probably should have played a little bit more than that, in all things considered. But 4-6 on the floor, 1-2 of two from 3. A couple great finishes around the rim, and his uh, off-dribble game really was working in this, in this spot, which always unlocks things for DeAndre. Uh, to the starting five, uh, obviously we'll save Kevin Herder for the end in this particular spot. We'll start with Trey Young. 10 points, 10 assists, so it wasn't like he was unproductive, but uh, sort of a rough night in some ways for Trey. 2 of 14 from the floor, 0 of 4 from 3. Did get to the line six times to lead the team, made all six, which is, uh, again, very encouraging. Same thing as last night when he didn't have it necessarily going most of the night. He got to the line and got to the line here as well. The shooting, you know, 
it's going to happen every once in a while. You know, Lloyd Pierce praised Young after the game, actually, for his maturity and his ability to come back in. He played the entire fourth quarter, and uh, Pierce was happy with the way that Trey played, even when he didn't have a shot going, just sort of as a playmaker, distributor, running the offense, doing what he was asked to do offensively. He had a 5-1 five, five to one assist turnover ratio, which is always what you want to see out of Trey Young. So, you know, obviously he'll have much more explosive offensive nights along the way, but even when he didn't really have it going, um, he, did, he did enough offensively to sort of help. And by the way, um, the Pelicans were definitely taking the ball out of Trey's hands. It's going to happen. It's been happening more often. In fact, Glenn Willis wrote about that a little bit this week on PeacetreeHoops.com, which is definitely worth a read on uh, how Trey and the team are handling him being trapped. Uh, it definitely puts more pressure on the other guys, which in this game allowed Kevin Herter and even Torian Prince and Kent Mazemore to unlock a little bit. But um, Young did the right thing for the most part, made the right plays, just didn't make, make a ton of shots here, but not a huge indictment on him. Defensively, he had some rough moments, I will say. I had a, a couple of um, amusing moments, <laughs> just sort of eyebrow-raising, uh, rough defensive plays. But it's going to happen. You know, Both he and Adams are just you know, void um, for the most part of defensive talent. It's not something that, you know, Trey's had some actually some pretty encouraging moments, I think defensively in the last, you know, couple of weeks where it's like you can sort of see the way that it might work every once in a while. Um, in this game, it was kind of a rough one, but at the same time, you know, it's going to happen and you know, it's kind of, I don't want to sort of bang on it all the time because it's just sort of the reality situation right now. I, uh, I, I intentionally try not to talk about that on every single podcast. It's just kind of the looming effect there and we'll come back to that more in the future, obviously. Um, from there, Torian Prince, a, a nice game in support, 13 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, only 7 shot attempts. It feels like Torian takes bad shots, and you look up and only has 7 attempts, so kind of weird in that way, but a couple of interesting moments, uh, adventurous moments defensively, but I thought Prince played pretty well, again, for second straight night. I thought he was better probably on Saturday night than he was on Sunday night. At the same time, I thought he, he gave pretty good minutes for the most part. Alex Lynn was productive with 19 points, 9 rebounds. He was minus 16, though, which does feel right in some ways because he missed a bunch of layups around the rim and had a, a really rough first half, I thought. He was better than that after. Did make 3 of 6 from 3. Continues to be a weapon from 3-point range, which is kind of crazy to consider um, given his track record before the season. But I thought Lynn, you know, up and down game. The numbers were there. His production was there. But, he, you know, he gets a lot of opportunities to produce. I will say that for him. Uh, he, he takes advantage of a lot of them. But there's, you know, every game it seems like 2 or 3 missed layups that kind of doom you in some ways because they allow waves on the other end because he's not getting back, etc., etc., but sort of a hot and cold night for Alex, but did enough to help the Hawks win. John Collins had another productive evening here with 23 points, 10 rebounds, and four block shots. Um, coming into the game, Collins had only 19 block shots in 48 games, which is a point of contention for me and others. This is, I just can't figure out why he hasn't been more, more productive defensively this season. But four, four in this game is huge. In fact, I think he had three in the fourth quarter, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So um, a couple of just sort of winning plays down, down, down the stretch, you know, you want to see more of that from him. Obviously, defensively, it's been a problem all season long, but offensively, he's just so productive. He rolls out of bed and puts up, puts up 20 and 10, you know, 23 and 10 here, 9 of 15 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, played well, actually just went through Anthony Davis on one, on one possession, which was noteworthy and sort of eyebrow raising. This game was a telecast on NBA TV, so a lot of national eyeballs for this contest, at least when compared to normal for a Hawks Pelicans game. Um, but a couple of people reached out to me privately and just kind of lauded Collins for his uh, ability to make, make plays around the rim and his strength and his effort. No question about it. He's very explosive and uh, was obviously a huge part of this win for Atlanta. Lastly, Kevin Herter had his biggest game in quite some time. Wasn't quite a career high for Herter. His career high is 29, so um, I, had, I sort of had it queued up down the stretch to uh, see if Kevin would get there, but he didn't end up getting there, but still 27 points. In fact, he's not... Um, it's been a long time since Kevin Herter even got to 20. Um, his, his career high performance was against Philly on January 11th. He's not had, he's not had even 20 points since then. A couple of, a couple of uh, games where he had 18, 19 points, but he's been kind of hit and miss for the most part recently. Pretty quiet. I've been a little bit critical of him recently. I still like him as a prospect, no question 
question about it. But the last two games before this, he was 3 of 18 combined for 11 points. Um, had a couple of nice efficient games before that in early March, but even prior to that, just kind of anonymous in some ways. Has not been playing with a ton of force. He, uh, Lloyd Pierce referenced um, just the confidence level, and I believe he used the term coming out of his shell after the game with, with regard to Herter. I felt like he just got some confidence early in this game and sort of let that cook him a little bit, which is good. Um, I do think that the Hawks want to see more of that from him. Not necessarily, he doesn't have to make four shots in a row in order to go ahead and do that. He needs to be playing with more confidence, more force offensively. I know I sound like a broken record with that one a little bit, but I think Herter is someone who's just very, very talented offensively and needs to be using that more often, but he was great in this game. 11 of 18 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. And you can't fake that. You know, Herter's shooting has been great all season long. It's the one spot where he's already, obviously, a sort of an established, you know, sniper as a, th- as a three-point shooter on the season. He's 38% on real volume. And, uh, you know, there are other parts of his game that are more theoretical. I think his offensive upside is really good. But right now, he isn't the greatest op- offensive player in the world. It's just that his shooting is dynamic. And then you see on this night that he has the ball skills as well. There's no question about that. He can create for himself, create for others. His, his passing's really good, and uh, we sort of saw the whole gamut here. So good to see Kevin kind of get off here and uh, take, a, take away the spotlight a little bit from Trey and John for one night only, obviously. But it's just one of those things. And uh, honestly, without the performance, I'm not sure the Hawks win this game because the Pelicans were not great, uh, just sort of in total in this spot. In fact, Anthony, Anthony Davis was really good at times, but only, only played 21 minutes because of that weirdness that's happening there. Without, without going too deep into that, if you're not a huge NBA fan, Davis um, has been playing limited minutes because of the fact that the Pelicans are basically forced to play him right now. They kind of don't want to play him. Davis kind of wants to play, but it's one of those things where, you know, if he, if he plays the entire game, it's probably a closer game because he was plus two in 21 minutes, 15 points, eight rebounds, four assists, four blocks. And, uh, you know, he was he was Anthony Davis in capital letters. But, you know, it, it didn't happen, and the Hawks were able to take advantage of that and win the second half by 13 points, and there you go. So, all things considered, a nice streak-busting win for the Hawks. They had lost three in a row before this, so good to see that and, and sort of end the week on a high note. And, uh, by the way, New Orleans did not play before this on Saturday, and the Hawks were probably the fresher team it seemed like in the second half. You know, even Kevin Herter sort of laughed that off saying that nobody played a ton of minutes on Saturday, but still a back-to-back, even at home, a pretty quick turnaround, only 22 hours between games because of daylight savings time and all that fun stuff. So yeah, a fun win for the Hawks in a lot of ways. And uh, they'll not have two days off at home because the next game is not until Wednesday. So I'm sure they'll practice at least once Monday and Tuesday. At the same time, a two-day lull without travel is always nice for an NBA team, so we'll keep we'll keep track of things between now and then. As a programming note on the podcast, I will have at least one show between now and um, the game on Wednesday. I will be in the building for that one, so that'll be a recap show for sure. This is the Monday morning show, so I'll have a podcast either Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. Maybe both, I guess. I, I suppose I, I do have one guest sort of lined up. I'm not 100% sure about that, so I don't, want, I don't want to tease it too much here. But I'll have at least one podcast, whether it's just me or somebody else, between now and tip-off on Wednesday. So please stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to the podcast. It would be huge for us if you did that. Please tell your friends. If you, if you know anybody like the likes the Atlanta Hawks is not a huge podcast fan, have them try it once. That's kind of a favor to me that you can do. Uh, hit me up at BT Rowan on Twitter if you need anything from me or at Locked on Hawks, which is the show's page on Twitter. Subscribe, and I will see everyone later on in the week.